It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's Calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. The ghosts of the past seem to have disappeared. This really feels different. This feels like Melbourne's time. A hell of a win for the Demons. They're into the grand final for the first time in 21 years. Oh, what glorious times lie ahead for the D supporters. Oh, we've handled it the same way that we handled the week off before. You know, we've trained hard, done a lot of competitive work. Uh, we feel like our game's in good shape and um, our players are ready. It's been about preparing their mindset for the challenge ahead. And I think we all know what this game represents and the challenge that it does represent. And uh, we feel like we're prepared as best we can. The agonising wait for Melbourne nears its end. Is a curse about to be lifted? And 57 years of torture washed away in the Western Grand Final? Chief Executive Gary Pert shares the Demon experience. It will be a Grand Final for the Dreamers, for the Romantics, for the Nostalgic. The full genius of Luke Beveridge inspires the Bulldogs to a date with destiny. You know, in the top two for a fair period of the year, we believe that we, we belong there. But we understand that Melbourne have you know, largely been the, the most consistent team all year with greater offensive and defensive balance than any team's had. So the challenge is huge for us. I think our players have processed that and are, um, and are doing their best to prepare for it. It's the final date of the Bulldogs' epic national tour. Can Luke Beveridge pull the same trick twice and win the Premiership from outside the top four? CEO Amit Baines on the Bulldogs' side of the tail. Look, this is going to take a while to settle in, probably weeks, probably months. It's incredibly uh, humbling and just to obviously know some of the names that won it before me and guys that I still idolise to this day. If I was unemployed like I am now, I'd be putting my hand up big time to, to get involved in some such an exciting venture. You know, it's a great honour um, to be uh, coaching the Carlton Football Club. As someone who uh, was a, a huge supporter of Carlton as a, as a young guy coming through before I was drafted, you know, it's uh, quite nostalgic that, uh, that I'm sitting here today. We're confident here, excited and touching wood. I'm sure it'll be one of the greatest grand finals ever, if not the greatest grand final ever. In fact, I'm positive it'll be the greatest grand final ever, Gil. Perth has basked in grand final fervour as even the Premier is swept up, moving from long-time nemesis to ringmaster. Vossi for Carlton, Clarko for Tassie, the obligatory COVID scare, and now the season's defining moment is upon us. This is the grand final edition of Crunch Time. 
From one side of the country to the other, we're all swept up one way or another in grand final fever. It takes a little bit of getting used to when it's not right in front of us. It can't be touched and it can't be felt. But if you're over in Perth, it's been a giddy few days by the looks of it. So we gather for crunch time for the final time in 2021. Jared Waitley with you. Justin Leppich is with me. Welcome to your Lepper. Good morning, Jared. So in normal times, you'd be hungover from the 20-year premiership reunion. That's still? right. Will we be? Yes, it's Thursday night. It would have been. So what is a Saturday morning? Yeah, probably. Probably still going. Would have jumped in on the way from. No, it's, times have changed. Maybe 20 years ago that would have been the case. <laughs> but um, you're right. We missed our reunion, unfortunately. But the beauty is, Jared. There's always next year, which is a great thing when you have a three-peat so we can get to build it up and go again. It's the most analysed game in the history of our code with two weeks to ponder a grand final. Craig Jennings, every day he's found something a little new on the strategy front. Jeno, great to have you on board. Great to be here, Jared. I've been looking for an omen all week and I think I've stumbled on one. I haven't got you there, Jeno, so let's figure that out. Sam Edmonds is in our quartet. Hello, Sam. Happy grand final day to you, gents. 25 degrees in Perth today. 22 at the opening bounce. The city's been bouncing all week. Thousands at open training. They were actually queuing up to get in, can you believe it? So our loss is their gain, but it's going to be magnificent. They're chips in over there, which is fantastic. And if anyone hasn't seen it, grab yourself. I've got to give them a shout out. Mark Knight's cartoon on the front page of the Herald Sun. Absolutely brilliant today. Bailey Smith with the bulldog overbite. Max Gorn's beard in flames. Magnificent. Have we got Jeno? Hello, Jeno. Great to be here, Jared. Now, I've been looking for an omen all week. I've been bombarded by my Melbourne friends, and I've stumbled on a great one. Aaron Davey, one of the great cult figures of the Melbourne Footy Club, he's taken his footy team up in Cairns from the bottom of the ladder to a premiership in the last um, wow. three or four years. So just a fantastic effort and a great omen, I think, for the Melbourne Footy Club. Yeah, that's oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a, a really uh, amazing effort to go from bottom to top in such a, a short period of time. But I'm just looking forward to today. I know it's not it's not for us, is it really? It's for the Perth people. And it looks like a great party, though. I wish oh. I was there. I thought Essendon was the party I wanted to be at. But it's actually <laughs> it's a, it's actually Mark McGowan's party. Even though if I was at Mark McGowan's party, I probably wouldn't want to have a beer with him. But uh, other than that, it, it's, it's flying over there. And it just shows that... You know, that 50-year that deal we did, geez, mm. it'd be great to every few years to sell one off and, and grow our game and make it big because, you know, whilst it's quiet in Melbourne town right at this point in time, um, geez, it'd be great to see it in different venues. It's in good hands, I think, Jared. is the, is, yeah. the, is the best way to sum it up. They are They have taken it, they're looking after it, they're nurturing it, and they're going to celebrate it as good as anyone can at the moment with all the bells and whistles of Optus Stadium. It'll be magnificent tonight. Yeah. The weather plays its part. They're going to give us... A great experience of the grand final. As I'm with Lepper, I felt this at the time when that deal was done. It was short-sighted. It was narrow-minded. It was very Victorian. Is the idea of having a grand final once once an Olympiad in another city, it's just it's so powerful to observe from the other side of the country. And the difference would be we could travel to it. So that the problem with this one is that because of the COVID restrictions, you can't go. But imagine the pilgrimage across the country of the Melbourne and Bulldogs faithful. And they could bid. It could be a Super Bowl formula. You've got, what have we got, four alternative choices outside of Victoria, theoretically, if the SCG came to the party and the Gabba um, gets that facelift it so desperately needs. So I think it would work really well. Having said that, when the grand final does finally return to Melbourne, that will be a grand final for the ages, though. The appetite, <laughs> it yeah. will be off the charts. It will, but it will be. But think about it. That deal that was done, I'm not sure that the money they got injured was it two. It was 250 plus million. Okay, 250 million for for the 50 year deal. Um, I don't know how many 
years to go was on the, the current deal, but you got to weigh that up into the long term, and you think, geez, it's going to come at a loss. I think over the you know, on the fiftieth year, it's going to be like the Alistair Lynch ten year deal when he signed it for two hundred grand, the highest paid player in the within four years, the average wages had passed it, yeah, and he was sitting there going, I got five years to go as an average footballer, you know, winning premierships and kicking seventy goals a year. He's only on two hundred grand, and the poor guy was thinking, what at the time thought it was an amazing deal, but very quickly it turned out to be a really terrible deal. So I'm hoping they can actually revisit it with the government and get something back because I just see this benefit of taking our game across the world, even if it's four years on, one year off, like you say, Joe. Whatever it is, we need to have a way to give incentive to other states to grow our game and also build stadiums and other things that, that get attached to the big games and things like Olympics. And, you know, that's why you get them because you bid for them to, to give more, I, I guess, things into your game. Every grand final at the MCG could remain an afternoon fixture for your traditionalists and everyone yep. everywhere else could be the night grand oh, final. Okay. So you That's could a play twist. to both. It, there, there's so many benefits to it. it. It probably is an academic exercise, but the opportunity missed. Let's head over to Perth. Kane Corns is there. Uh, he was, I don't know whether you saw this last night. It was the most phenomenal performance. He ran a marathon on a treadmill from yep. my room telethon i i salute i salute you cane corns welcome <laughs> thank you jared i'm paying for it this morning absolutely legs are gone glutes back hammies calves i feel every bit my 38 years of age but it was worth it like it was i didn't realize the response it would get 200,000 raised for the treadmill treadmill part and 3.2 odd million raised for my room which is a phenomenal charity as you know so Gets bigger every year, just inspiring the amount of donations that came through last night. How's the body came? Because you haven't, you wouldn't have the K's in your legs at the moment, would you? You'd tape it off a tad. Uh, no, I've still been doing about 150 K's a week, so I, I knew I was, I knew I was, I knew I could get through it. I wasn't ideally in tip-top marathon shape, but I knew I'd be able to sort of get through the first two hours and then hang on. But yeah, the last eight Ks, I reckon, Sammy, was, was as hard as Ooh. anything I've ever done. But it. Um, it, it was worth it. But just to paint a picture, like it, grand finals are amazing. So I was at Optus last night, and I'm standing in the Bulldogs race, and it's so quiet. It's eerie. And then I look over, and I see the guy with his blue paint painting the 50-metre arc, and every groundsman's just patching every little piece of grass. And I thought, this is so calm and relaxing. And in 24 hours' time, this place is going to be absolutely yeah. rocking as those Western Bulldogs players come up the race that I was standing. And it was, it was quite a surreal moment just doing that and thinking, wow, this is what every footballer is dreaming of. Not ideal situation, but it's just going to mean so much to those players who play in a few hours' time. How's the experience of the week been in Perth, Kane? Amazing, Jared. Like, the, the, I think they've had a really good balance of understanding their they're borrowing it and they've been really respectful and understanding of the situation the rest of the country is in. But having said that, still wanting to put on the best possible show that they could put on. So I, I don't think they could have done it any better. The people have been so welcoming. I uh, just look, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, the mall right now in the heart of the Perth city and, and seeing um, Melbourne jumpers. And I, I saw someone walking around in the Alistair Nicholson Melbourne jumper. I thought, yeah, you're, you're a rusted on Melbourne. So you're not one who's just bought a, you, you know, a Bailey Fritz jumper in the last couple of years. That's Alistair Nicholson we're talking about. So it's, it's been Melbourne. Like the, the, it's really 80% been the talk. Everyone who wants to talk Melbourne. It, it's all about Melbourne breaking a drought and, and it's all about the heartbreak of Melbourne. I, 
it, I don't know. It's just something that I mean. Maybe we've had too long to think about it. But the more you know, the more you sort of play mind games with yourself, you think it's set up beautifully for the Western Bulldogs to come through with another ambush. But um, we'll wait and see. But yeah, phenomenal show that and display that they've put on. Have you seen anyone with a Craig Jennings assistant coach polo shirt there? <laughs> that, that, to me, would be deep down diehard Melbourne, no? I don't even have any of those, Leper. I sold them all on Gumtree. <laughs> so, Kate, that's what I was going to ask you. That By your judgment, who is the team? Who's the darling team? And it is overwhelmingly Melbourne there. If, if overwhelming. They've adopted a team and it's the Demons. Overwhelming. Mm. Like, and I think you'll, you'll get a sense of that in the crowd. I mean, we saw it in the prelim final where... You know, is it going to be Geelong? Is it going to be Melbourne? It was just drowned out. Maybe that was because of the result was so one-sided. But I think it'll be predominantly Melbourne scarves and, and memorabilia you'll see in the crowd today. And, and that is the people's team, I think, over here that they want to win. And you can understand why, can't you? But who knows? The, the history of, of Melbourne, it's been a it's been a hard one. I just, I, look, I hope for their sake that they get it done today. I think it will be a great story. Hey, Cornsy, it's Geno here, mate. I'm really interested. If you had a chance to um, speak with Choco and whether you have or not, what would his best influence be, do you think, on, on the coaching group this year, uh, this this week? Yeah, I sent him a text uh, last night. I haven't spoken to him um, in, in person, but you know, we've heard a lot about the Melbourne WhatsApp group, haven't we? Well, what, uh, And all I think maybe all footy clubs have one now with technology, past players group. There's been text messages flying around everywhere for Choco. Uh, and some reflected on, uh, he made this inspirational speech before the 2004 prelim final. He said he wants his defenders to wear polka dots because he thought we were really boring in the 2004 prelim final. So <laughs> wow. he wanted the defenders to stand out and wear polka dot guernseys at training. So they want to run and carry and play with flair <laughs> and take the game on. So we were reflecting on that. Uh, Matthew Bishop was a defender who played in 2004. He sent a message to Choco this morning just saying, make sure you wear your polka dots, Choco. <laughs> That's lovely. Love it. So the front page of the West Australian reads, all that matters, and it's got the Demon and the Bulldog logo in the middle of it. Even the Premiers come around, Kane. <laughs> I was sitting like right next to him at the Brownlow the other night, and he... Like they just, they just love him. I, I, I don't know why, but I mean, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a way, in a way. So, so I've sort of been looking on, going, this, this, is this guy for real? Like all year through the pandemic, like a lot of us, like surely. But in a way, like without him, what would we have had? You know, maybe, maybe South Australia, but they weren't, they, they weren't all in. You know, so yeah, we'll have twenty five. It wouldn't have been anything like what it's going to be over here. So if it wasn't for him. You know, we're not going to get the show that they're going to put on today, but hopefully the game gets done and we get it all underway and then he can start acting with some common sense in a, in a few months' time when vaccination rates hit the levels they need to. And is the weather as good as advertised at the moment, Kane, as you wake up over there? The coverage hasn't started, obviously, yet on the small screen here, but is it a magnificent day in WA? No, it's not. It's, oh. uh, it's really cool this morning. Like, it's, it's perfectly fine. Like, it's... It gets quite windy over here in Perth. It's, it's quite blowy this morning. Uh, it's quite chilly, like it, um, you know, walking around with a with a jumper on. But there's not a you know, there's not a cloud in the sky, and it's going to fine up to be 27. They're telling me I don't know how it's going to reach that. Feels like it's about 16 or 17 at the moment. Now you're on the ground there, mate. It's, what's leaking out of the footy teams? Charlie Spargo, we know he's a little bit touch and go. He might have to need a jab to play. Is there anything leaked out there that we can give the people in Melbourne? 
Well, that's the thing that's really surprised me, Leper, is um, the lack of stories coming through. Like, there hasn't been any... And maybe that's the extra week where, you know, players can come, get over their niggles. I mean, a couple of selection things that we had. But, I mean, they've done a pretty good job of keeping things quiet in-house if there is anything going on. Um, and that's been a good job because everyone is here is looking for a story. We saw that with, you know, Melbourne's curfew and the Western Bulldogs leaking that uh, vision after the prelim final that Luke Beveridge wasn't happy about. That's been about the only stories we've had to talk about. So... I think everyone's just ready for the game. Like just, just bounce the ball and uh, let that be the story. So two things to close, can you? You lived the Brisbane experience last year and Perth this year. Is Are they far apart? Do they have many commonalities? Is this the difference has been in a, in a hardcore Aussie rules town? Yeah, like, so the build-up here has been like 100 times what it was um, in Brisbane, just because, for obvious, it's not, not a footy state. What I will say about the Gabbard, like, the show that they put on, the spectacle, the entertainment, how it looked visually, the atmosphere in the ground was was as good as any grand final I've been to. I think this is going to go to another level. Like this, this stadium is. Uh, I've never been there, Jared. Um, state of the art. It seems to really hold the the noise in, and and it'll light up outside as well. So visually, you'll get the helicopter and plane shots flying over. I think it's just going to be magnificent. And I heard your discussion. In the opening, I, I just makes a lot of sense if you if you truly want to grow the game. Maybe once every four years, it's got to go somewhere else because uh, the people embrace it and they want to make sure that they put on their absolute best shot with the, with the one opportunity they have. And is there any case for the the week off ahead of a grand final, having lived through it in your mind? <sighs> Probably not, because I just I think it disadvantages the team that. Um, you know, doesn't need it. Sorry, advantages a team that doesn't deserve it is what I'm saying. So I would have given the Western Bulldogs no chance if Melbourne had flown straight through to the grand final with that momentum and extra days break and the Western Bulldogs get that rest, you know, and they get two players back. So you couldn't make a case for it in fairness. Um, so I don't think it would stay. The only thing is if we had a big concussion in a prelim final, I mean, if it was a big, star player. Imagine if Marcus Bonson-Pelly got concussed against Port Adelaide and he was ruled out for a grand final. That, that's the only thing I can think um, there, is a, there is a case for it. But yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll be here to stay. Kane, you'll be part of our broadcast tonight. We're looking yep. forward to it immensely. We'll talk in a few hours' time. Hey, great show and an amazing year from, from all of you guys in there. So, um, yeah, do your best to enjoy it and we'll chat later on. Good on you, Kane Corns, on the ground in Perth. Lucky Looking devil. forward to bashing his head in next year when I'm at, <laughs> back at Clubland again. Sorry, Kane, we're going to have to go toe-to-toe again, but that's the way it is. It's been, it's been fun. He's, a, he's very good. He did, did that well, didn't he? I never get bored of Choco Williams' stories. Oh, so. yeah, they're just never-ending. Um, that's that's right. So, him on, him on the ground, and we, we did have some, every time we've got a Melbourne player on, we t- get them to ask him what a Choco story, and yeah. they're the, they're the best and I remember Brayshaw had his he came on and said he got his messages from the coach yet ready to go and as he's running on Choco said to him now I want four goals before you get off (laughs) it was like it completely cared. And that's that's Choco. And there's so countless good. stories like that. But it is great coaching the polka dot theory because it's a great way to send a message to do your defenders. I want you to attack the game. So oh, yeah. the creativity is important in coaching. This game has been analysed in every manner imaginable. Justin Leppage came up with a new one, though, citing grand final moments and people of the past as the player yep. most likely to produce the 
Darren Jarman, the Simon Black, the Leo Barry, the Matthew Scarlett, the Dom Sheed, the Mark Yates. We're going to fill those categories in next. It's Leper's parting gift to us before he gets... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Goes back to the dark Where's side. the food? You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. And our friends at Red Rooster. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. The footy gods have such great material to work with in this grand final. So many storylines and individuals that could reprise deeds of the past. And that's where Justin Lepich's mind was drawn. Could we see the great and fabled moments of the past recreated in this 2021 grand final? And if so, then who? It's a great idea, Lep. Yeah, I do work in strange ways. <laughs> I thought last week was the parting gift of the I menu, know, but now is, it's now we're sort of going again, great. aren't we? We really are filling in time. We don't, <laughs> we don't need these two weeks at all for grand final. So the challenge is to find the player most likely to produce an iconic reprise. And let's start with the Darren Jarman. Call inside 50. Belt to the Lord's full forward. Jarman there. With him was Zilla. Jarman again. Round the body. The last quarter match winner, the best blue, the, the best move Blighty ever made, he said on Thursday. Five goals in the last quarter. So who could be the last quarter match winner? Leper, you should lead the way. Well, I'm picking a man who's done this before on the big stage and not that long ago, and he's had a really understated role since this big day in 2016. But Jason Johannesson, to me, is the one that could just light up. It's often the... It's often the one we don't think of, I think, mm. this one. I mean, Jarman's probably the biggest note that's done it. But over time, there's been uh, there's been a lot of others. Biggs was one as well that sort of, you know, flew under the radar a bit. But I think JJ's the one that could potentially bob up, playing that half-forward role. Um, uh, and he's not starting sub today, is he? He's, he's no, on for yeah. the whole that's game. The, that, well, that would be the element of your but story because he, he could have been. Even if he is starting sub, I'd still think this is a possibility <laughs> in the last quarter for yeah. him to to do it. So I think JJ could be the man to come. And he's got the spark and the run. It's just whether those kicks for goal go through the big sticks or out in the full. Sometimes we don't know with JJ, but I think he's got the he's the most likely. He's been in the wilderness. He's been out of favour. He hasn't been that player much since that day. Imagine if five years on he reprised it. And it's often that guy. It's the one you don't think of um, that gets his job done. Shane Allen style. <laughs> Shane Allen style, yeah. Mm. Jeno, who could be the Darren Jarman? Well, I guarantee mine's one that nobody's thinking of. So, Jared, you know I always go back to the book world. And John Sainsbury sent me a book. It's of Ted Hopkins, and he wrote a book of poetry. I'm pretty sure nobody knew that Ted, Ted Hopkins was an author of poetry. <laughs> so it got me thinking back to his grand final, 79. He kicks three goals in 15 minutes and handballs another one away. So four goals in 15 minutes. Amazing comeback. So I'm thinking, who's the most Ted Hopkins-like? Yep. And for me, that's Charlie Spargo. Mm. So he's just one of those players. He's like an energizer bunny. We call him Jackie Sparrow because he's just got so much energy about him. And I can just see him mm. playing his role all day. 
but then having the the energy in his legs late to to put to put through three or four lip up. Nice. All right, Jared. So Jars kicked five goals in the last quarter of the '97 Grand Final. Gorney, Max Gorn, kicked four of his five in the third quarter of the prelim against the Cats. Now that he's a sharp shooting goal machine, Ruckman, all he needs to do is just delay this goal burst until the last quarter, and he'll be Darren Jarman reincarnated. Um, so Max Gorn's one. As an aside, don't conform. That was beautiful, yeah. wasn't it? Jim Steins' sage advice and. He hasn't, has he? You know, toasted sandwich trucks, wine bars, passion for cycling. He stays up all night to watch the beard. We know the cigarette on the way to training story has been flogged to death, but he hasn't conformed. He's a great story of grand final day. So two goals down at three-quarter time and a forward line that just won't work. <laughs> and Simon Goodwin goes, well, th- let's do the the absolute obvious and put Christian Petrarca to full forward and clear out. Give him as much space as we can and let him go one-on-one with whoever Luke Beveridge thinks can go with him. This makes too much sense. Yeah, this is good, actually. And get your five goals in the last quarter to come over the top. I thought we were taking the P1 double five. We've been set up here. We've been told to go left field. Yeah, he's just come here with a stock standard, you know, dusty to full forward role. That's the being the host. Misdirection. All right, the Darren Jarman. Let's go to the Simon Black. May on was the call, and Simon Black, who's having more and more influence on the game as it continues. Black threads his way through again, number 31. Out of the middle, Black again. His career-high disposals, 37. He's just equaled that. What a day to do it. So the player who could get just the sheer number of possessions to make everything else academic. No, there's no voting for anybody else if you put 40 on the board. And while these will be obvious, there are clearly players who can do it in this game. Geno, who could be Simon Black? Oh, I'm wrapped. So I'm going serious. It's McRae. 10% of the Bulldogs' possessions come from him. So he's a no-brainer for me. And I'm hoping someone has a lateral one because I could not find one outside of McRae. And clearly Oliver can rack them up as well. Sammy? Has to be Jack McRae. He's averaging 37 disposals a game. So that is the equal most of any player in the history of uh, our game when it comes to finals. 17 and a half, uh, 17.3 contester, which is third all time. 25 possessions, his lowest tally of the year. He's played 25 games. If anyone monopolises the pill, it's Jack McRae. Lepper? Well, I'm going to go a little, little different in this one. Only for the fact, I mean, the last game that they played... There's two players that shared 38 possessions. So, mm. And one of them was Jack McRae, but I'm going to go the other one. And it's going to be the final stoppage of the game. It's going to be thrown up. They're going to be equal possessions, maybe 38 each again. Ball's going to trickle out. And who's going to win it? Is it going to be McRae or mm. Clayton Oliver, who yeah. picks it up, gets the handball away, and he gets his 39 and wins the uh, the possession game for nice, the game. So nice. Clayton Oliver is just going to get in with that last little stoppage. Nice yep. drum roll. No, I'm with both. I'm with all of you there. Is Either player, if... Whoever wins, it would be a surprise if that player, McRae or Oliver, doesn't top 36. And if you do get to 40, you win the medal. Yeah. Like, I just, if you, if you equal Simon Black's record or go past it, you're just going to win the medal in this day and age, I think. Yeah, and both those guys, both games this season have been the, the leading position getter, um, you know, one and two on, on the ground. So you'd like to think that that's just going to happen again, isn't it? So 36 and 33, McRae and Oliver in the first game, and 38 and 38 in the second. So, you know, flip of the coin. You know what's interesting too is their genuine possessions as well. These are probably close to half in the contest. And McRae especially does a lot of damage with his footy. And 
what I like about Clary is if they throw him forward at certain times, he's a great overhead mark and he can find the footy in the front half and kick goals. That's something he's really added to his game. So that's pretty exciting. The interesting aspect will be if one of them gets 40 in the losing side mm. and where it leaves them in the eyes of the judges. Yes. Which I think is entirely possible as well. So that's the Simon Black. What about the Leo Barry? Oh, good mark by Cox. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for Leo. The game-saving play. Sam, who could conjure it? Mark McGowan, you star, doesn't have the same ring to it, Jared. <laughs> but it's Mark McGowan. It has to be. Uh, Gary and Tim call him Smirk. He's played it beautifully, Smirk. He's played hard to get with the AFL, but he's also played hard with COVID, the strictness. Many of us mocked. Thank God he's got it locked down, though, because aside from the MCG, this is the best venue in the country that we have. And we have seen, if we can call uh, Dreamtime a dress rehearsal, they've done an excellent job when entrusted with the responsibility. The stadium, this grand final, 60,000, twilight. It's a game-saving play by Mark McGowan. Leper. Well, I'm going to go pick the weirdest thing that can happen in footy, or the, the least likely, which is the diving smother. I, I'm going to go the diving smother to, to win the game, and it's going to be Jake Lever. So there you go, in defensive 50. So snapshot for goal, Jakey Lever dives over, Superman style, bang. Full body. Full body game. So it is only three a game. So the chances of this are pretty low to be happening in that second. But why not, Jared? Love it. That's Love it. a bit. Of, that's unexpected, and you've almost you've sort of changed the rules there, Lepo. Go right. for So I guess it's game saving play. But we're all yes. thinking marks. That's amazing. You're thinking. So <laughs> you. Jared, I'm a traditionalist, as you know. So I'm thinking Leo Barry. He's the man with two first names. And the first one's a little uncommon. <laughs> and his surname's actually a more common Christian name. There's only one other player on the field that fits that for me, Lep, and that's Caleb Daniel. But I rang Carl Jackson from Champion Data this morning. Caleb Daniel's never taken a pack mark ever before. But <laughs> if he does, it'll just be the most amazing moment. But maybe, Lepper, yeah. it might be the smother you've, you well, might have got yeah, me in there, you mate. Said I, you said I was left field. You've <laughs> gone the, the double first name. I've gone the we've seen it before in Leo Barry. We've seen it before with Taylor Duray. So he yeah. stood mm. his ground and thwarted Charlie Cameron. End of the game, open 50. Cozzy Pickett is rushing yep. at the ball with an open forward line ahead of him. And Taylor Duray manages to just tip it away and get it to his boot and trickle it out of bounds and thwart Cozzy. Brilliant. Lightning so, striking twice. The Leo right. Barry. We've got the Matthew Scarlett, the Dom Sheed, and the Mark Yates grand final moment of infamy to come in our categories to set up the 2021 grand final. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. Steve Johnson, finally something. Adlin is on. Johnson's just got to see him. He does. Adlin had hung there for a long time. Dawson made the spoil. Toad from Scarlet to Adlin from 60. He kicks to the square. Look for the flight. They all pile in. Barco, our pass. Chapman has kicked the goal. The toe of Matthew Scarlett, the one percenter, the moment of inspiration. Who could reprise the Matthew Scarlett in the 2021 grand final? Justin Lepich. Oh, I got first again. Well, Jared is 30 seconds to go in the game. Bailey Smith is running through the middle of the ground. He looks up and he just sees an open forward inside 50 and Cozzy Pickett runs him down. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's giving me chills. Pause for drama. <laughs> and then he just kicks the ball left and right for two seconds and the siren goes. <gasps> Jake Lever, ball in hand. It does the Alistair Lynch. That's awesome. That'd be a great finish, wouldn't it? Wow. Well done. Oh, you've won this category. Should we just oh, move I, on? I, I want a rush to remind Jared. <laughs> Do you know? Well, I was actually trying to visualise this, but not at that level, Leper. Well, who's the player that can come from nowhere? So you're talking about speed. But I was thinking more in terms of aerially, or they just cover the ground where you don't quite see where they've come from. And for me, that's just Eastern Wood. So aerially, just getting back to knock one through for a point or, or dive late on the line, but can really visualise him making one of those plays mm. late. Lip. Amazing how we think, because I'm taking a bit from both. <laughs> I've got it written down here. It's the opposite of Justin Lepage. It's actually Cozzy who swoops on a front and centre crumb, and he's bursting, goal gaping, and just with an outstretched fingernail, back mm. of the short style, Eastern Wood pulls him down with his middle <sighs> finger. A desperate, He's a desperate defender. I can just see Eastern Wood. The yeah. Dale Morris tackle on Buddy is yep. still fresh in the mind from five years ago. He shared a back line with him. I can see nice. Eastern Wood shaping it at the like depth. This. It does say a bit about Cozzy Pickett, though, that grand finals are won. You don't need 30 or 40 possessions nah. necessarily. Cozzy might be just a 14, 15 possession player, but he absolutely spooks teams because of those things he can do. Oh, I love all of what you've done there. So I just had Stephen May in the role of Matthew Scarlett. So something in the middle of the ground, and he just madly takes off and leaves whatever's behind him, <laughs> caution to the wind <laughs> to arrive at something, be it to get to a ball or to tip one away Take or to body. get the knock on or just something. You go, no, I, this is this is the whole thing. Whatever's behind me can go hang. If we lose here, that's okay. Yep. I'm just hurtling. The into this contest. The accuracy in that is Stephen May is just so highly competitive and his footy IQ is through the roof. So if anybody knows when to get up the ground and the right time for it, it's going to be Stephen May. From the Matthew Scarlet to the Dom Sheed. Dom Sheed outside the boundary, right forward pocket. Can he do it? He steers it at goal. No! Who could do that? The kick to win the game, Jeno. That's, that's amazing to listen back to and the fine lines in footy for Collingwood and Nathan Buckley there. But I was thinking Stephen May based on that high footy IQ and Lepo, you know, you, you're really visualising and getting into the moment. So I'm thinking there's a few minutes to play. Um, Melbourne are a little bit down. Stephen May does his hammy, but there's no interchange left. So he can't come off the ground. So he pushes forward and he loves playing mm. full forward. Stephen May stands on the goal line because he can't <laughs> run, but he can still mark the footy. He marks one on the goal line and with a torn hammy, he's only got to put it through a metre and a half and he does it. Oh, there's with layers a torn hammy. <laughs> <laughs> one leg. <laughs> Sam? Like Dom Sheed, my nominee's also a left footer and like Dom Sheed, he doesn't miss. His name's Bailey Fritch. A lethal left leg if ever there was one in. And speaking of not needing big numbers, he doesn't need big numbers to do big damage. He could bob up at any moment and just given his range and his precision with that leg. So he's gone 53-22 on the year, seven straight against Adelaide in round 22, six goals won against North early in the season. He's not going to need many sighters to sink the Western Bulldogs. He's accurate because of his kicking, but he's also just cool, calm, and collected. So if someone can nail one on a siren, he's right up there. Yeah, so, so I'm the same player, but for different reasons. All it is is about the 31. The, the, the yep. gods are in operation tonight. Nice. And the footy gods would say number 31 to end the 57-year drought. Perfect. I, I can see that from anywhere on the ground. Anywhere, Bailey Fritch kicking that goal.
Like it. I'm going to go the doggy side of the, the building, but what's going to happen in the end is that the ball's going to get it kicked long <laughs> and high in, gotta... <laughs> inside 50, and it's going to hit about the 30-metre mark directly in front of goals. Melbourne are a point up at this stage, do you know? And Josh Shackey's under the ball with Jake Lever, and he's just as he's tagging him, and right at the end, Lever sort of puts an arm back to spoil, but sort of clicks, clips him over the shoulder, but it looks high. Matt Stevick calls a free kick. Dodgy free kick at that. <laughs> so Josh Shackey's lining up a point down. Goes back. And whilst your picture whilst it's going, it's going on the replay screens and boo, boo. Yeah, and he's, yeah. get, he's getting the 30 seconds of boo. And Josh is building the pressure at the time. And Matt Stevick's sort of standing there but looking up at the same time going, oh, geez, that wasn't really where it was. I've just decided the grand final. Josh Shackey hits the post and we're in overtime. Oh. <laughs> Unexpected ending. Unexpected ending. You had to pray for overtime. God, Nicks it too. Snicker goes, goes up. <laughs> Tom Snicker, Orkenstein. And, and it's, 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 it's as thin as... Do it, we go to the arc? It's paper thin. We go to the arc and, and it goes to overtime. Okay. Jeez, I'm, I want oh. any one of these games happen. I'm <laughs> yeah, pumped. Any one of, <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking, Jakey Lever's one of your best mates. Lepper and you... you I've got he's the player to cost you the no, game, no, I'm thinking. It's no, a I've great g- ending. I gave him the diving smother. So he's won one game yeah, okay. and he's, <laughs> you know, and it was a 50-50 that wasn't his fault. So. The Dom Sheet. All right. So there should be the Mark Yates, the moment of grand oh. final infamy. Very interesting, Dennis, at that first bounce because Yates came off the wing and went straight for Dermot Brereton. And Dermot's down on his knees, as you can see. And watch this on replay. You see Yates. There he is, number coming off the... Uh, Wing there, he only had eyes for Brereton and goes over and bumps him again. But obviously, he's done his ribs. Righto. So, something that will last, something that will light talk back up on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and right through the off season, Sam. Geez, the excitement in Don Scott's voice there too back in the day can't be uh, undersold. I, I really struggle with this one because that, that is a bygone era. But I've gone with uh, a player who is, by for all intents and purposes, a very clean and fair player. But he has this sort of stuff in the blood. And it's Tom Liberatore. Uh, the old man was a brilliant player. A brilliant player. Brownlow Mills. But he is admitted to his fair share of misdemeanors in the past. So does Liber start something in this game? Whether it be a bit of lip initially, Harms comes to him, he gets under his skin, he, he, he lacks out. Could he start a mass all-in brawl in the first quarter, Libba? We know he likes to antagonise, so I've gone Tom Liberatore, the moment of infamy. There may well be blood. There was a good movie along that similar title, Jared. There may be blood. That'll be the headline. Lepa? Well, I've gone a, a different tack. Um, Maxie Gorn, first centre square bounce. They lose, so he runs back and fills the hole, as you do as a great key, you know, a great ruckman to try and get in an Aaron Norton space. Ball kicked long and high. And, of course, Maxie gets the big hanger taken on him by Aaron Norton, which we've seen Maxie do a few times. But the difference this time, Aaron Norton's knee has hit Maxie right in the head and he's down. He's out. We don't think he's out, out, but he's sort of out. One of those ones where you're like, is he going to come back on? I know where you're going with this. We're not sure if he's going to he's, he's 15 minutes on the bench. Do you call a sub? What oh. do you do? He's running up and down. The doctors are checking the vision. Or oh, is he, isn't he? And what do you do? You go, we'll send him back on. And he ends up going back on the game maybe halfway through the second. But the big moment of infamy is going to be Maxi going big hit. Whether he should or shouldn't have come back and on And should as well. he come back on later. With all the rules we have, whether it be pressure. concussion and all these sorts of things we get going, we're going to be a big talking point afterwards. And imagine if then if he came on and won the game for them, yeah. it would be an even bigger talking point.
Genome. It's the way Leopard tells the story of it has me in. Uh, it's well, bedtime stories. It's <laughs> immense. So, Sammy, I was in your... You'll be able to sleep. <laughs> I was in your corner there going to a little bit of DNA, but I must admit the first player that popped into my head that... Because footy's different now. One, you can't run in off the line on the square because we've got the um, the six 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 rule, so that's a little bit more challenging. But for some reason, Bernie Vince popped in my head at Melbourne because he's the one that's not quite right that could do anything crazy on a footy field. But to go to the modern players, they don't all have that sort of uh, that side to them anymore, taking mm. uh, people out when they're not looking. But I went to DNA, and the one that I think on that footy field that would hit you the hardest with a head of steam, and that's Cosie Pickett. Mm. Just, it's just, in his blood, that's for sure. Just trucks, trucks over someone. Yeah, I ran into Byron Pick. I actually one day um, with Byron because he's a freak of nature. It was about about thirty meters, I was sprinting to chase my director. But I was playing forward this day, and he was in the way, and he sort of stood in my way. And I thought, I'm going to knock this guy over. Get out of my way. He was only young in his first year. Uh, Byron Pickett. I had a thirty meter head of steam. He just stood there like a, like a stop sign. Mm. I hit him, and I rattled <laughs> for a good five minutes. I thought. Like you sum him up, you see the size of him. You think, oh, this is. I'm gonna. I literally it was literally like a truck hitting a wall. It was crazy how how just tough and He's how big and body. solid yeah. and how hard his body was. He had a great sense of humour because you know in the warm up pregame, the poor runners or the, yeah. the fitness guys have to hold the tackle bag, and you're up against the wall. He used to try and smash people into the wall yeah. and hit them hard, but he just think it was funny and the bone rattling. Oh, I was yeah. on the end of that a few times. There are a few, there's rich candidates here, like, so, as you've identified in the DNAs. Jack Viney, if he got half a look at Bontempelli wide oh, open, yeah. bang, straight yeah. through him. Yeah, Just, and, and it may or may not end up being legal, but he would do it in a heartbeat yep. without second guessing. Would he be the guy that goes, I'll risk potentially suspension for a premiership medallion? He'd be the one. He'd be the number yeah. one rank, wouldn't he? He wouldn't do it untoward, but if the moment presented itself yep. where Bontempelli's coming back with a flight and he's wide open, I, I can absolutely see him just balling himself up yeah. and providing one of the most frightening hits we've seen. And you, you know the thing with that? Like, in context, if somebody did that to Jack, he'd be fine with it. So he only dishes out what he's happy yeah. to get back in return, and I think that's what we love about well, him. Sydney Stack. Sydney Stack, yeah. yeah. Mm. Game as well. So no one went Josh Shackey off the line. I was thinking Just it. at the opening sign, <laughs> bang, straight for Max <laughs> after the ruck contest. Wouldn't that be a statement? And the headline? Mark Yates. The headline? Shack attack. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, perfect. Come well, on, Josh. I think the real moment of infamy could come from the coach's box, and this is not even a stretch. It is a, it's a knock them down, drag them out grand final, and we hit time on and scores are level, and players cannot go a single yard, not a yard. No one can lift themselves. And Bevo goes, bugger it. Shacky, grab your hamstring, off. Latham Vandermeer comes into the play and scrounges an ugly behind like he did at the Gabba and breaks the deadlock as the medical sub. Dodgy and we all sit sub. there going, was that legit or not? That's did, a distinct did, did possibility. Did really pull his hamstring or mm. did they just want the fresh man on the field? That's a distinct possibility of happening. You, you never know. I could make the case that you can't die wondering. Mm. If it's Cop a knock it down, drag him out. You go, nah, Shacky did his hamstring. And I'll, I'll say it forever and a day. And we're all going to go, did he really do his hamstring? <laughs> yeah, it'll be the story the they tell. The fresh man went straight. Like... He just ran straight past blokes who couldn't move and just scrounged the ugly behind right in at the right hand post. I guarantee coaches will be coaching from the bench in overtime because you'll be trying to get any influence on that team that you can. Mm. Great grand final categories, Leper. <laughs> Salute to you. We're going to talk to both CEOs coming up on Crunch Time. The Werribee Jeep and Caroline Springs Jeep stocks the all-new Jeep Compass for your convenience.
The grand final edition of Crunch Time. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Craig Jennings, Justin Lepich with you. We're heading to Perth this half hour to talk to the chief executives of both teams. Crunch Time is for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. It's Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. We've had two weeks to ponder it. Now there's hours left as we zero in on it. Gearing up for a big day and night of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. Let's start inside the Demons Stronghold with their Chief Executive, Gary Pert. Gary, happy grand final day to you. Great. Thanks, Jared. Very exciting. How would you describe your emotions? Uh, well, I really haven't kicked into it. I, I was thinking about it. I, I think it's really been such a busy week trying to get everything organised and prepared. Um, and even this morning, I've just been uh, flat out with elements. But I know once I get to the ground, and then you've actually got a bit of time where you actually have to sit there and think about it, mm-hmm. that's that's when the excitement will really start to build. That sounds like a great defence mechanism, Purdy. <laughs> Yes, that's right. I think I'm deliberately keeping myself busy. But it's actually been really calm here because we're in a hub. We're out of the fanfare that we might have experienced if we were, say, in Melbourne. It's been very calm. But then when we got to our final training session at Optus yesterday, blue sky, it was sunny. There was a big crowd. There was lots of noise. I could see the players as soon as they come out of the race. That, that's, to me, when it all started to become real and the energy built. But, Purdy, Simon Goodwin admitted during the week he had a pot and palmer to unwind <laughs> during the week. What did you go to? Um, well, I've actually had uh, – I've taken the opportunity this week because I know it's going to be, you know, crazy next week and then, you know, we all go our different ways. I, I've Just to have a couple of quiet lunches with key people in the program – you know, just appreciating what we've done to get to this point. Mm. Um, You know, like I said, there's no uh, big sort of fanfare about where we're at, but it was just a good chance over the week just to catch up with a few key drivers of the program. Now, Purdy, we've just been reminiscing on all the close moments uh, in the history of grand finals and the amazing moments like the Leo Barry game-saving mark. When you... Think about this game and you get the opportunity to stop and dream and close your eyes. What is it for you? We've, we've gone through them all and what we think might would happen. Who, who is it? Who's the player that's winning the game for Melbourne in your dreams today? So, I mean, you know, you you have a lot of those thoughts, but also people are asking you all that time. And, and one of the great things is I can really look right over the ground and, and whether it's in the back line that have just been so strong all year, um, or we get into the midfield where we've got some of the best midfielders um, in the competition. And now we're starting to get a really dangerous forward line. One of the things I love is we won't be relying on one player. And that's going to make us difficult. And it's the reason we're in the grand final in the first place. So uh, uh, I, I think we've got strengths right across the board. But as we all know, I mean, you guys have been in the game a long time. Anything we've achieved during the season all comes back to zero and it's about who performs today and and we know that and that's what the challenge is going to be. But, Purdy, the one bonus is you won't have to sit through another draw again. (laughs) Yes, uh, that was, you know, that was a difficult and confusing moment for everyone (laughs) when holding it through and we're all sort of wandering around in circles. But, uh, uh, you know, there won't be a draw, but I can pretty well guarantee, I think we know that we're looking at two of the best, most talented, informed, fit teams 
they play, both play an aggressive, you know, scoring game. And I think we know this is going to be one of those games that are going to go right down to the wire. Uh, so I'm expecting it to be uh, close, but uh, it's nice that it will get a resolution today. Purdy, Craig Jennings here, mate. Congratulations. So proud of the footy club and, and really looking forward to tonight. I'm hoping you can share with the Melbourne supporters, what are the traits around Simon Goodwin that's going to stand his team in good stead tonight? What will make him a great premiership coach or give him the best opportunity? What are his traits, Purdy? Uh, well, Jenna, you know him as well as anyone. And his preparation and... Uh, the program that's led to this point, because as, as you know, the coaches can only do so much when we actually get into the game. But the preparation, I, I literally, I've tried to think of it from every way. How could Goody have prepared the players any better for this game? And I, I can't think of anything that we could have done better or differently. Um, so that preparation, he's kept everyone very relaxed and focused. He's he's made it very clear to every player, and I, I love this, to take the pressure off them to say, I don't want anyone to do anything or think they've got to do anything that they haven't been doing all year. This is about us going, we've done it during the year, that's all I want from you again. You need to execute. And we've got a young list. We've got, what is it, eight players that are 21 or less. Some have never played finals, let alone grand finals. So he's deliberately taken the pressure off and I just think they've just got a real deep love for Goody and how he's invested in them, that they'll be playing for him. There's no doubt about that. So, um, but, you know, as I said, we're, we couldn't be better prepared. He's such a centrepiece of it, Gary, during the week, named by his peers as the coach of the year. And he reflected upon the end of 2019 and acknowledged how the game almost overwhelmed him at that stage. Is What did you, what have you seen in him? And I guess what... What assistance have you offered him to come through that period and uh, and to have found the space that he has now? Well, I, I think we all see a you know we we love the fact that Goody's won Coach of the Year and he well and truly deserves it, but he's a, he's been a young developing leader, and again you know Geno would have been would have seen this and would have been part of that growth is he's had you know some fantastic people around him and he's continued to evolve. Um, and I think this year it's been a really important step. You know, he's got some different thinking and different people and different energy around him. And that, that combination, I think, has really worked for him. And, you know, m my job really is just to make sure that Goody and the players have got the best people around them and then to get out of their way and, and let them show what they're capable of doing. But um, I think tactically during the game... Uh, it's by far the best I've seen him and the way he's responding to the tactics of other teams have really been the difference of winning some really key close games. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't be prouder of him and he's continued to evolve and he'd be the first one to say that he's still got a lot of growth in there. Like he's he's still relatively young in the mix. Did, did you see the phase where, it, by his own admission, he, it, it threatened to get the better of him? Oh, there's no doubt. Is is the whole game and the media scrutiny and the, and the pressure of the whole industry. Um, I mean, why someone would want to be a head coach of an <laughs> AFL coach, uh, team just uh, confuses me. Because it is, it's a really extreme hard role 
Um, and we see what it's like for Goody now where he's sitting on top of the ladder most of the year and he's playing in a grand final. But those moments when, you know, everyone's doubting, the pressure comes, it inappropriately comes down on the head coach, even though the program is what is succeeding or not, not, not the head coach. But that's where the lightning seems to hit. Um, and we've just made sure that we've put more and more support around him so he can grow to the leader that he is now. So um, uh, that's why I think everyone's just so happy to see him being recognised this year. Now, Purdy, irrespective of the result uh, tonight over there in Perth, do you think this is the start of a... I wouldn't say a dynasty, but you get a crack at it in this game, as you know, three, four, five years, whatever whatever tilt you get at this position on the ladder to, to maximise your position. Does Melbourne feel this is is not just about this year, but you've got now this is the start of that three, four, five-year little crack at, you know, trying to fill your boots and get as many premierships as possible? Yeah, and, and Levy, you've been part of teams where culturally there's a shift right across the board. This is about belief now. This is about supporters for so long just could not believe or couldn't let them think that we would be able to get to another grand final because there's been so much disappointment there's so much scar tissue and so many people have been sending me messages this week going now I I I didn't think I'd see this in my lifetime but now I've stopped thinking about the things in the past, which is really important. And I'm looking at this young, talented list, excited about the next five or six years. So mm. you've summed it up perfectly. The way I look at it is regardless of the outcome, this is the start of something, not an end point. Um, and, you know, that's exciting because we culturally shift the whole club. And, and we're seeing that with the excitement and energy Everyone's walking around in their Melbourne gear and they're painting their houses and they're starting to look at the future rather than this um, difficult past and a past going back as long as people can think. So I, I see that this is the start of a cultural shift. Purdy, I think it's it's great when you share um, Goody's leadership skills and his leadership traits because it, I don't think it gets talked about enough in a sense. And one thing I saw firsthand was his vision and his unwavering vision. So he describes it as like captaining a ship and you're in choppy waters, but he knows the direction he wants to head. And what he does really well is combines that vision with really practical day-to-day stuff. And I'm talking about he has the best training standards that I've ever seen at AFL level, but he combines that with great fun. The environment is such a fun place to work at. So I'm wondering, in yesterday's meeting, in the pre-game meeting, the planning for tonight's game, did you get a look at it or have you heard anything about it? Can you share he's one of the great coaches in terms of creating hooks and themes? So can you share anything with supporters around that? Yeah, look, without going into the specifics, because I wouldn't want to talk about their sort of their inner sanctum training, but, but Jenna, you've seen it. Like, it was something I ne- I needed to get my head around a little bit when I started of how much fun and quite often even before a game. So in the rooms before a game, Goody deliberately takes the tension out of the room um, by doing some, you know, playing some very, very funny videos or we've had comedians do skits. We've had people get up and do impersonate. But it's a deliberate ploy. And it is to take the pressure off and it's had a great result. But... uh, 
again, you know, from he understands the balance. He understands we're a young list. And at times we're needing to push the guys to go. We need to go to another standard. And as you mentioned, he, he does have the highest standards. And in some ways what we've seen this year is the, the player leadership group and the player's execution get to the standards of the vision that he's already had for two or three years, but he's been working on it and and we've needed to get to a point as a whole club of executing at that level. But he, he hasn't changed his vision and view of the game plan and what this group's capable of. Um, but really, we're just all, the whole program needed, have needed to get to that level. And um, again, then all of a sudden, it looks like the whole program's changed. It's quite the opposite. It's just about it's executing at a higher level. So just as we finish, Gary, to live through this week in Perth and the front page of the West Australian reads all that matters and it's got your logo next to the Bulldogs. Is there any part of you that's uh, that, that's mind is now open to the possibility of, of this style of grand final every now and then where it where it is in one of the great footy centres of the world that's not the MCG? Um, well, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, so for me, uh, we need to uh, get back to the MCG as quickly as possible. I- I'm going to be a bit biased because we have our MCC members, we have so many Melbourne people that um, I'm so excited about today, but I'm so devastated for hundreds of thousands of people, Melbourne supporters, that would have loved to have been part of this. So personally, I want to get back to the MCG um, as quickly as possible. But that being said, um, the way people in Perth have embraced us and come along to the games, come along to training, sent us messages, put on the Melbourne apparel, um, you know, I'm expecting to have a really good crowd cheering us on today. And, and in grand finals, that makes a real difference. But, uh, you know, in the long run, uh, I can't wait to get back to the MCG and reconnect with our all our supporters back there. Gary, great of you to take the time today. Well, I suppose endure the next few hours and then enjoy tonight. Great. Thanks, guys, and thanks for your support during the year. Good on you. Gary Pert, the Chief Executive of Melbourne. Let's go to the other side of the coin. Amit Baines is with us, the Chief Executive of the Bulldogs. Amit, great to have you on Crunch Time. Morning, Jared. Can we Let's just start where we finished with Gary Pert. Has your mind been at all open to the idea of a travelling grand final from time to time, or are you know that the deal at the MCG serves the game well? No, I, I caught Gary's answer, and I'm probably in the same camp. Um, a traditionalist as a starting point, and yeah, it's obviously sad that that fans from both teams uh, can't be there today. It's a it's a really special occasion, clearly, and, and for our club, only the fourth time in history that. Um, We've made it this far, so a lot of people missing out, but equally um, the representation here is great. So if it were to occur, um, I, I'd only be comfortable if we weren't playing, I reckon. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, what are your, what's your overriding emotions this morning in Perth? Uh, it's a long day, um, yes. building, building into it. But no, just just so happy for so many people, Jared, that um, have given so much to the footy club over many years, but particularly the last couple of years with all of the challenges that we've had to encounter as an industry. And, you know, it's well documented some of the more recent hurdles that we've had to face. So just so happy um, and, and privileged to be sitting here today, knowing that we've got a chance to win a premiership later today. Now, I mean, it's been a, a big month, hasn't it really, for the doggies? You've, 
the emotion, and I was probably as much an emotional roller coaster than the also the flying pathway that you've had to undertake in the last month, from all the way back from just that emotion of missing the four originally to getting here today. And it seems Bevo's done a terrific job uh, on the outside, emotionally connecting with the group and providing a great theme. It seems to be an us versus them theme. Would we be correct in saying that that's sort of his approach, his emotional connection approach that he's admitted to? Uh, going on in the game or, or the final series? Yeah, uh, firstly, congrats on your new role uh, too, Leper. Um, Thanks, I think, I, think from, I think from our end, um, we obviously didn't finish the season off the way we wanted to. That's that's an understatement. So in some respects, actually getting on the road as a group, as, a, as an entire playing group and, and staff was a really good thing just for us to refocus and, and to just galvanise and, and come together. Um, I think on the, you know, other than the day trip um, to to uh, Tassie to play the Hawks. We haven't lost a game on the road this year when we've had to had to do the longer the longer stay in the quarantine arrangement. So it's definitely been a, a key part of that focus. And um, I think one of the really remarkable things about Bevo is his ability to really connect, as you say, on that emotional level uh, with our players. And it's it's uh, it's a lot more than just the us against them. But I suppose in the last month, given some of the challenges we've had to face, um, you know, that's kind of been the icing on the cake with the messaging. I meet Craig Jennings here, mate. Congratulations on coming this far, and and I know you're in great hands at that footy club. So you're just touching on um, the emotional aspect of Luke Beveridge and how he taps into that. So it's a similar question that I asked Purdy around Goody. As a leader, what are the leadership traits that you see in Bevo that you can share with your supporters? Yeah, um, thanks for the wishes, Craig. I think first and foremost um, is that real loyalty and, and sense of belief in the players. Um, it comes out in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think, you know, there'd be a million reasons why I want us to win tonight, but it would be amazing to be able to share some of the vision of, of him speaking to the group um, in, in the lead into games and on match day. Um, and, and you can see firsthand what that connection looks like. Um, but it, But it is that loyalty piece as well. That spills out in different ways. He was obviously, you know, um, pretty emotional after the preliminary final in his defence of Adam Chalor, but um, that, that's what our guys love. We, we know that um, in, in everything he does, he's got the club interested at heart and, and certainly that of the players and the staff as well. And, you know, that, that just goes a long way to inspiring that um, belief and confidence in each other. And mate, Sam Edmund here. Thanks for squeezing us in today on what's obviously a, a massive day for your footy club. Speaking of the day and, and the program, I suppose, and what is obviously the first ever Twilight Grand Final, what, what does it look like? When do you get there? When does the team get there? Is there a, a team lunch planned? How does it sort of work in the hours leading up? Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty relaxed day. It's, it's been free time. Um, for, the, for the players and most of the staff, essentially, since we got back from off the stadium yesterday for the captain's run. Um, and we'll start, there'll be a couple of different um, times of departure today. The main team bus will sort of head in to be there a couple of hours before the bounce um, uh, as well. And, and people are just doing different things. Um, I think a lot of us couldn't sleep in, so I've sort of been up since 6am Perth time, had a coffee, read the paper, <laughs> done a run, and now finding uh, something to do for the next three or four hours until <laughs> we head in. Um, but no, it's great. And I, I did pick up, um, you know, Purdy's comment as well around the people of WA. I, I was fortunate enough to to hang around in Queensland last year with my family and attend a few of the finals and the grand final. And, you know, they were magnificent occasions, but the, the build-up in and around the games um, didn't have any, any of that feel, whereas the city of Perth and the people of Western Australia have really embraced it. Colours everywhere, well-wishes everywhere. And the captain's run yesterday, um, you know, was just magnificent to have 
10 or 10,000 or so fans there uh, cheering us on. Well, I know you love your Instagram, and I, I saw, and I know you saw, Manchester City, a giant of world football, 27 million followers or thereabouts, wish the two teams luck on, on Instagram. So you got a bit of a shout-out from one of the biggest sporting organisations in the in the world. Yeah, that was uh, massive. Caught everyone by surprise. We, they obviously, uh, the City Group obviously own Melbourne City as well, mm. so that's probably the loose connection. Um, but no, pretty pretty amazing to get that coverage. Hey, I'm I'm a little bit curious. At footy clubs, we're not supposed to have favourite players like we're not supposed to have favourite children, but we kind of do. I'm wondering, at the Bulldogs, who is your favourite player? And a little insight into you as a leader, why is that player your favourite player, mate? Yeah, it, it is It is <laughs> difficult to do that. And I do, uh, uh, I have so much respect for them all. I think in, in our household, if I broaden it uh, just beyond myself, uh, in our household, Probably the, the two outside of the Bonds who everyone loves um, are probably Aaron Norton and, and Bailey Smith. Um, both play with enormous flair and confidence and obviously attract a lot of followers, particularly Bailey from, from all clubs. Um, but away from away from the ground and away from the public eye, they're both you know, just incredibly humble, um, kind and, and giving people who... Um, you know, are happy to accommodate anyone and, and everyone who wants to talk to them or, you know, spend some time with them. So, yeah, hope hope they both go well. Um, they've both gone to an enormous level um, in finals and, yeah, both both exciting players to watch. Probably depends when we ask him, Leper. It was probably Josh Dunkley the 12 months ago. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, the, the timing. And, and, and me, talking about number one, your number one supporter, Chris Hemsworth. Now, have you been able to, have you been able to send him a shirt? Because the poor guy doesn't have enough clothes, clearly, because his last post, he just looks sitting there nice and ripped with no doggies paraphernalia on. Have you sent him something for the post, potentially, that could be coming for your Instagram tonight? <laughs> I think the request was an extra small size too. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's in the mail on the way to Byron Bay somewhere. I like it. If you took us back a meet to that final weekend of footy in the home and away and the Friday night into the Saturday when the Lions get that that behind late in the game, did you, if you're really honest with us, would you say that you worried that you'd blown it, that you'd blown a whole season of work and fell out of the top four at the moment when maybe it mattered most? Yeah, I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't say blown it because there was still a belief that if we got going, you know, we could get back here. But certainly it was a massive dint in, in confidence. Um you know, and, and that Port game in particular, um, whilst Port had a lot of opportunity, scoring opportunities across the game, we, we didn't surrender the lead, the lead till very late. So that was pretty difficult. I, I didn't end up watching most of the Brisbane West Coast game, um, but kept getting texts to, to get to the screen. And I submitted myself to it with about 15 minutes to go um, and then uh, relive the agony all again um, two nights in a row. Um, but again, you, you sort of look at it in hindsight and you go, well, if we had a snuck in on percentage and coming off three losses and played a Melbourne team full of confidence in that first final. And yes, we would have had the double chance, but where would we have been, you know, if we, we hadn't have got the job done in that first week of final. So to, to travel the road we have and to have built the confidence we have, um, I think no doubt gives us the, the best opportunity of winning tonight. And what happens after tonight, uh, Amit? Is, do you come home straight away? Is it different in victory or defeat, knowing that there's not much you can do when you get back to Melbourne to reconnect with your fans anyway? Mm. Yeah, no, it, yeah, you're right. It won't make any difference from that perspective. I think, you know, tonight and tomorrow will be set aside for celebrating what's been a pretty amazing season, regardless of the, the outcome tonight. Um, and then with 
um, players particularly dispersing post um, post uh, the, the weekend Monday set aside for a lot of the the physical um, medical nutrition those sorts of exits for players so that they can get their programs and and set up while they're away from the club and then effectively from Tuesday morning everyone's free free to depart I think of our travel party at 75 um, only 23 are booked to go home on the Tuesday those of us that uh, with young kids and, and risking divorce and all manner of things. We don't get I was about back to, on that flight after after a long absence. I was about to say, you're going to consider starting your pre-season over in Perth because it's probably not a bad idea at the moment, the, the pace in which we're moving over here. No, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Although it has been great. I've been sent a lot of uh, photos and videos from friends and, and family mm. um, around uh, people just going for some exercise around the MCG or around Whit Noble today and it's their little way of staying connected with us. So, yeah, we know we're playing for a lot of people back home. Amit, great to chat. Enjoy the day and uh, the best of luck tonight. No problems, guys, and good luck all with your calling. Amit Baines there. So that's for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Leper, we're letting you go. Channel 7 beckons. Yes. We let you go with our absolute thanks for a magnificent year right across the station, especially on crunch time and on Tuesday mornings. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been, yeah, you you have enhanced our coverage enormously. Thank you. I'll see you as the enemy next year. (laughs) (laughs) On guard. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Leppich, magnificent part of our season. On crunch time for the Western Auto Group, they welcome the all-new Jeep Compass and its off-roading capabilities at Werribee Jeep and Caroline Springs Jeep. And for Red Rooster, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster, available at selected restaurants. The Roosters calling. The grand final edition of Crunch Time as we look toward tonight in the West when Melbourne and the Bulldogs meet to determine the Premier of 2021. Jared Waitley, Craig Jennings, and Sam Edmonds with you. We've just dissected it from all sorts of different angles. Given that this is the most analysed game we've ever encountered, two weeks to build up to a grand final. So, Sam. I think the Brownlow has really brought to the forefront Craig Jennings' notion that. It's the Pareto players. Mm. So where a disproportionate amount of the outcome comes from a minority of players. So, Geno, just recount for us the Pareto principle as, you come, as you've come to learn it from around the world. Yeah, it was around 15 years ago, and, and I was doing a study tour to Germany and, and Sweden. I stumbled on this theory where they studied sports around the world, and they had a, a theory um, – that 20% of players are responsible for 80% of wins. So I came back to the Essendon footy club at the time and to take you inside a footy club, you don't have time to analyze the traits of every single player that you're up against. We're on a six or seven day break, 95% of football is about yourself. So I thought, well, what if in our planning, if 20% of players are responsible for 80% of wins in a football context, let's really dig deep into four players and how we stop them Now, in context with that, it's not necessarily who people think are the best four players in the opposition team. It's more about the four players that um, take up a lot of time in your planning that will have a disproportional impact on the result. And every club might see an opponent or the same opponent and have a different uh, set of Pareto players in a sense because it's very opponent-specific. But it's about being efficient inside that footy club, Jared. So this is not the best eight players on the ground and that this won't translate on Twitter. So I just want to flag <laughs> that at the start. <laughs> this is the Pareto eight 
from eight up to one, and it's not an. We don't want it necessarily to be an even split, unless that's the way that it falls. We're not asking for four bulldogs and four demons players. We want the twenty percent of players who might be responsible for the outcome mm. of the game. Well, I'm not on Twitter, Jerry, but I have an understanding from my friends who send me some stuff occasionally. A lot of my ideas don't always translate on Twitter. It's probably but... a good thing. <laughs> oh, I, that's a badge of honour. Yeah. Refu- my ideas don't translate on Twitter. Get a T-shirt made out of that. As Gorney says, I refuse to conform. So, But this is actually a very serious thing inside a footy club, whether they call it Pareto players or not the investment in time of studying the opposition without taking away from your own um, game style in a sense. So so who's the most notable omission on the terms of reference? Well, I think the surprise will be Bont and Pally, which will make sense as I go through the list because in a sense, this is about um, not four from each team. This is the eight players that the opposition um, either side will invest most time in planning for. Now with Bont and Pally, win, lose or draw – I think his game will look the same. And in terms of planning for him, he's not overly difficult. So in a nutshell, if he gets 30 possessions, that won't be the difference between the Dogs winning or losing in terms of the Pareto concept. So he can have 30 and they win or they lose. Other players, though, their impact has – or their 30 possessions or possessions have more impact on the game effectively in terms of planning. All right. So the Pareto eight, count us up from eight to one. So let's start with eight. Yeah. So I've gone with Christian Salem and the omission here when we're talking about omissions is Caleb Daniel. And they're quite similar in a sense. So to differentiate while why Salem comes in at number eight and Caleb Daniel, who we absolutely love, Jared, um, he, he's not in the top eight in this game. And a similar to Bontempelli, Caleb Daniel is an incredibly important player for the Bulldogs, but planning for him is not overly challenging. And also with Caleb, if they win, lose or draw, I, his output is likely to be the same. But if we go to Christian Salem from the Bulldogs' point of view, now Salem is gettable. So you can put time into Salem and really impact his game. And if you don't, Salem has a great impact on the game. So he becomes a player that if the Bulldogs can take away his strength, which is his kicking game and gaining territory and gaining control of possession so he can move the footy down the ground is just so important. And there's another grand final context to that. And what that is, is we know it's a contested game and and, uh, there's less uncontested possession. So in a sense, the uncontested possessions can become more valuable. The ones you get are more valuable, and he's a player that has maximum impact for every possession he gets. So the Dogs will need a good plan for him. If he plays well, Melbourne win. If he doesn't play well, Dogs are more of a chance to win because it is a numbers game. How do you get the odds in your favour? Just by 1% or 2%. String puller. Christian Salem at 8. 7. So I'm going with 7 and 6 together to to make a bit of sense of this. So number 7, it's Clayton Oliver, and number 6 is Liberatore. Now, you could probably flip them around either way, but why they're mixed together here, and clearly both absolute guns, right? So Clayton Oliver is just a rare, rare special player, as is Liberatore. But in terms of the Pareto concept and the planning, it's about if you go to Liber and tag him and take him out of the game from a Melbourne point of view, then you're impacting the Bulldogs' connection from the inside to outside. And you know from a Melbourne perspective it works but also in that planning for Liberatore at number six, can you hit the scoreboard against him? So if Harms is tagging him, Harms is amazing at sneaking forward and finding opportunities in in attack. 
So that way you take away Lipper's strength by tagging him, but also get a double bonus. So if you can invest time into planning for Lipper you may also hit the scoreboard. The flip side with uh, Oliver being at number seven is that he is so damaged around the, around the contest that he's almost impossible to stop. So how you would stop is almost like a, a team approach in terms of how you set up the stoppages so that when he does win it, he can't fly through the front of a stoppage and he hits a brick wall in a sense. But also like Liberatore, you're trying to put some planning into him where you can take him to a stoppage, a defensive stoppage for Melbourne possibly, and trying to hit the scoreboard against him. So yes, both players will probably get around 30 touches. The majority contested, really valuable. But in the Pareto planning, can you get something the other way? Take away their influence on the on the inside, but also get goals against them. All right, so a bracket six and seven, Liberatore and Oliver. Five? So this one's Bailey Smith. So mm. he's, a, he's an interesting one because he's not the sort of player that necessarily will impact the game for 120 minutes. These are the players that give you headaches because they're hard to find a matchup for. And also their role that they play can be a challenge because if he's a forward getting up the ground, now you've got a decision to make. If he's free, he's racing back to goal with maximum speed. So if you follow him up, though, you're emptying out your defense in a sense. So you're having less congestion in your D50. So he becomes a real Pareto player in this game, number five, because of his impact in a short period of time, in a sense. So he can impact the scoreboard in 15 minutes, create two or three goals, either off his own boot or for the team, but also in terms specifically in match committee of the disruption that he can create to your system and your setup. So against somebody like Smith, he takes a fair bit of time in match committee. Okay, our plan A is when he gets up the ground, our positioning is this. But if he's getting hold of us, then we adapt our midfield stoppage to look like this. And then if he's getting hold of us again, we reset our defence to look like this. So he's a Pareto player in the sense that he has a maximum distraction, in a sense, of your match committee when you're planning yeah. for him. Bailey Smith at five. Who's at four? So Norton's the one that um, can be a bit of an outlier, in a sense. So automatically with Pareto players, or if you're thinking of your best players, we go to the 30 possession players in the midfield. And it's really how the Brownlow's starting to look. But there was a bit of a Ben Brown discussion that we had before he went to Melbourne, Jared. And I was saying, this guy will be an amazing pickup for a club because he's the sort of player that when you were planning for North Melbourne, he was the only one that you worried about because all things being equal, he's the one that's potentially unstoppable or potentially can kick five goals. And that's the difference yep. on the scoreboard. And Norton for the Bulldogs is exactly like that. So... He'll be um, not so much sleepless like nights for Melbourne because um, they're so well set up in defence, but he's the one that solo off his own boot, if he's launching at the football, it's pretty difficult to stop. So he can launch over the top of Gorn or anybody that's sitting back there in defence. And what can you do about that? You're really trying to stop the ball going inside 50 at the source. So he's one that's clearly a Pareto player because no matter how great your team is, how great your planning is, these sort of players, a bit like Buddy Franklin and, and these players in history, can win the game off their own boot. So three Bulldogs in a row, four to six. Who's at three? So this is Lever, and we've talked about the centre of gravity players, Jared. that if you can pull that player apart, then the system um, falls into a little bit of chaos in a sense. So what's the one thread you can pull to pull a team apart? And for me, Lever, he's their centre of gravity, that their whole defensive system 
revolves around one, his unique football IQ, but the way that the other players sit up around him in a sense. So what you find when you're in on match day and the coach's box, and you'll hear this in press conferences after the game, that we had our opportunities. We went inside 50 more than the opposition. We just could not hit the scoreboard. We just could not connect. And there's a very specific reason for that often. It's these intercept players and they just get in their way. And, you know, it was Alex Rance and then it was Grimes. So um, Haynes does it at GWS. Every team nearly in the competition has one. And they're so frustrating because every time you go forward, you look up and you see that player because their footy IQ is so great. So he's the one that really has a big influence on the game and he will take a lot of the Bulldogs planning in terms of their match committee this week. Jack Lever at three. Who's at two? So this one's Max Gorn. So this one will probably be most people's numbers, number one. And that's, you know, that's really valid. And in a match committee, remember, you put through ideas and often everybody will challenge that and that's a great thing. The important thing is not to have groupthink. But the thing I will say about Max Gorn is that probably almost in the history of grand finals, I doubt there's been opposition planning around one player that's taken as many hours as what the Bulldogs would have spent, not just for grand final week, but we said, see it early, Jared, have your checklist on Melbourne. And Gorn was right there in terms of the top four players that you need a plan for. And his influence on the game will be enormous, but also his influence on the Bulldogs' strategy. So the hours they must have put into coming up with their A strategy. And then for Bevo, which he is great at, getting his players to believe that this will be successful. But also Bevo knows he's got a plan B right through to Z, probably against someone like Maxi Gorn. And the difference in the game effectively could be that Bevo nails 99% of everything he does match day but he just cannot find a solution to the impact of Max Gorn. Who is the number one Pareto player in the 2021 grand final? I have not moved on this, Jared, since round two. Christian Petraka. Now, I understand the conversation. He is not Dusty Martin. He is Christian Petraka, and that's really a really important thing. Uh, I admire Christian so much. His growth the last three years, especially witnessing it now from the outside, is absolutely enormous. He's put himself through coaching courses uh, at the at AFL level. So that just tells me something about the way he's thinking about his game. But what I'm talking about here, he's the number one Pareto player in this game. And we said it early that he's the player, if you can't find a way to stop, he's going to be the Dusty Martin. We said this at round three, that he will start winning Norm Smith's repeatedly. And the reason for that, he's just such a unique and dynamic player that sometimes clubs won't find a natural matchup for. So you need to decide that when he's in the midfield, is he a midfielder or a forward? Is he a midfielder that's just sprinting forward, but he's still a midfielder? Do you hand over, which can confuse when you have a midfielder on him, he goes forward and you hand over to a defense in that chaos that ensures he, he can be lost. But also Christian Petrarca is the one with that basketball now so that you see him just stripping the opposition players of off the ball. Um, he works in those tight spaces and creates something from nothing. And he's a high energy player. Like he makes his teammates excited when he does things. So for me, so many hours into the planning of the specific strategy and the matchup for Christian Petraka, because if they don't find a way to stop him, then he's best on ground and he's Norm Smith and Melbourne win the premiership. The Pareto eights, Christian Petrarca, Max Gorn, Jake Lever, Aaron Norton, Bailey Smith, Tom Liberatore, Clayton Oliver, Christian Salem, a 5-3 split 
in the Demons' favour. Well done, Jeno. Our closing gambit on Crunch Time, this grand final edition, is the trades with Trade Radio set to spring to life. Sam Edmund will give us the latest, and there is a bit of movement today as well. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western Auto Group. The future of compact SUVs has finally arrived at Caroline Springs Jeep and Werribee Jeep. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, Jared, it's available at selected restaurants. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The rev up is for every trade correspondent whose time is about to arrive. The launch of Trade Radio went straight to one on the podcast charts. The trade bell has been a phenomenal success over the past month. So from Monday, it gets very real. So for Harley Heaven, still your home of Harley Davidson during lockdown, harleyheaven.com.au. Sam Edmund is our trade correspondent. Does it send a shiver down your spine <laughs> when you go, a, righto, so the peak of the bit. season and then it's not the off-season come Monday. A lot of talk about roadmaps, Jared. Well, there's only one road when it comes to trade radio and that's uh, full steam ahead uh, on the trade road. So, actually, it's funny, you know, the assistant coaching movement's almost been busier than the player movement yeah. in, in recent days. We might just start there quickly, continuing on the grand final theme, if you like. I mean, it has been speculated upon, but tonight's grand final will definitely be Stephen King's last involvement with the Western Bulldogs after a decade at that club. So he has signed a contract to join the Gold Coast Suns as a oh, senior wow. assistant. So effectively the same role he's had at the Dogs. And he goes up there as a replacement for Josh Franku to work alongside Stuart Jew, of course. So it's a family and lifestyle decision, I'm told. The Kings are about to have another little one. He's got some family up there as well in Queensland. So they saw this as a move that made some sense. He'll be missed, though. Worked with him, one of the great people in footy. That's a, I didn't even know that was happening. That is a great get for the Gold Coast and a big loss for the Dogs. So... Well done. Yeah, the planet's just aligned for him and the timing was right. So Stephen King goes with their blessing after the grand final. And it is a mature approach with the assistant coaches. Maybe it's to speak to their seniority. They can compartmentalise what they're about Mm. to do, focus on the task at hand. We're certainly not ready for that in the player space, but (laughs) the assistant coaches do it so well. So with the players, let's start with the Blues, Jared, who appointed Michael Voss after locking in restricted free agent George Hewitt on a four-year deal. That that is just a box ticker when the free agency window opens on Friday. Adam Chera, now he'll formally make a call on his nominated club early next week. It is likely to be Carlton. Justin Longmuir has just spoken on the ABC, ABC to say the Dockers are yet to be told what the club is. There has been some reports this morning that it will be Carlton next week. He's already made up his mind. That might well be the case, but certainly nothing formal. So this is one for early next week. He really liked Melbourne. Melbourne really liked him. You know, they were very keen and still are to get him in the door. They can afford him. But can they trade for him has always been the question. You would say no, given Luke Jackson's untouchable. Angus Brasher has said publicly he doesn't want to leave and the Ds don't have a pick until well into the 30s. But this is, I guess, where good management comes into it. And Adam Cherry is uncontracted. I think if he nominated Melbourne, if and he staunchly wanted to go there, they would find a way to make it happen. But having said all that, players generally want their old clubs to be compensated, remunerated, if you like, and they want to leave on good terms. And nothing that we've heard from Adam Chera suggests that's not the case. So it all points to Carlton. The Blues pick six being at the centre of that exchange. We fully expect it to be Carlton. Just thought I'd lay out the scenarios yeah. there. So also the Blues, Lockie O'Brien. He's one of several Carlton players who doesn't know what his future holds there. He could stay. He could go. That's one for, for later on. We'll get to the difficulties when it 
comes to list sizes at a moment. Nathan Kruger will go to Collingwood. Two games in three seasons at Geelong. He turned down a two-year offer from the Cats. There was some interest from the Saints as well, Jared. He wants to play forward. The Pies are keen for some support for Brody Meyercheck, Darcy Cameron, and it's sounding like it'll be a three-year deal for Kruger at the Pies. Expect that one to be ticked off. Jordan Clark, some really important meetings scheduled between him, his management, and Geelong next week as he weighs up his footy future for the second time in as many seasons. So he's a defender. He's a rebounding halfback who, problem being, the Cats weren't too keen on playing him at halfback. Now, Geelong would have liked to see him develop, I suppose, a harder edge. That's putting it in a a nicer term as I can. Matthew Scarlett was a factor in Jordan Clark not playing regular footy, particularly in the back half. Now, Matty Scarlett's gone. We know that. I'm told there's a bit more to it as well, though. It's not as simple as Scarlett out and and Clark stay. So he is contracted, though. The Cats do not want to let him go. He could stay. It's unclear what the likes of Fremantle would offer in a trade at the moment. So a bit of water to go under the bridge with Jordan Clark. Last one. Mason Cox uh, could still stay at Collingwood. Pies want to get Kruger in, though, so they need more picks and points for Nick Dacos. Uh, they would do a deal for Cox if one emerged as well. And just a quick one, Paddy Lipinski, he'll find a new home. Won't be Carlton. All signs point to Collingwood. So I believe Lipinski will be a Pies player next year, like Kruger. Three-year deal on the table from the Dogs who want him to stay. But as we know, he hasn't got to look in playing-wise just the two games since round 11. I expect Paddy Lipinski to be uh, playing for Craig McRae next year. A great taster for Trade Radio, which comes to life on Monday. Sam, thank you for your involvement in crunch time right throughout the year. Thoroughly enjoyed it, Jared. Craig Jennings, brilliant. We, we have uh, we have benefited so much from having you as part of it. I appreciate the opportunity, Jared and, and Sam, and it's just been one of the most joyous years I've had in footy. I've just had great fun. Thank you. And to Ross Flegeltorp, this has always been his show yes. from its inception all the way through. We salute you, Ross, as we sign off from crunch time for the Western Auto Group. Elevate your adventures with the new Jeep Compass. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.